We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, a very special episode of the Pat Mayo Experience. Do not expect this weekly, but since there's a million dollars up for grabs for first prize in the Thursday Night Showdown contest, I have decided to welcome in, on the line, the king of showdown, the best player in the world, from (laughs) DailyRoto.com, Colin Drew. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Showdown season. It's back. I couldn't be looking forward to it more. It's been a long offseason. We had those preseason showdown slates, so I managed to bag one of those during the Hall of Fame game. So already off to a good start of showdown in the 2019 year. So from the beginning of last football season through today, how many DraftKings GPPs have you actually won in showdown now? So I've won at least nine. I can't remember whether the last one was the ninth or the tenth, but nine showdown contests out of 65. Can't even remember how many hundreds of thousands of dollars you've won. It was yeah, it was pretty crazy. Obviously, a ton of good fortune went into that, but um, I, I think was ahead of the curve with a couple things. It'll be interesting to see how much of that edge is still there this year. If other people are kind of picking up some of the strategy tidbits, or um, if I can just keep kind of firing with the same process, I do have a couple new ideas that we can kind of talk through on this podcast as well. We can do that. The thing that I would highly recommend, the thing that I went and did, because I am a subscriber at DailyRoto.com, and you can be too, and get yourself 10% off by using the promo code THEPME. I'll put a link in the description to this podcast as well that you can go check that out. Colin has a pretty immense strategy article up there about the best ways to utilize all of the tools at DailyRoto.com for the showdown slate. And they have the showdown slate. They have the main slate. They, they have everything up there. So it's a investment that I make every single year. I think you should too so everyone absolutely go check that out dailyroto.com the pme t-h-e-p-m-e gives you 10 percent off just other quick tidbits before we jump into this uh, i made some golf bets for the euro tour i posted those on twitter uh on the recommendation of one mr paul shag i am betting khabib this weekend on the ufc by decision and that's two to one he got it at a better price but i got it at two to one could be by decision in the main event in the ufc and i put zeke into my rankings up on dkplaybook.com you can find the links in the description and i also moved up dante pettis because i guess i just overlooked him and just i had him ranked like 60th for some reason sometimes you just forget this stuff so i bumped him up inside the top 35 so those are the only changes to this let's actually no, colin you you're you're in for me giving away some bucks right you you like when i give away bucks 
Yeah, let's give away some stuff. Yeah, not not that you need the bucks, but maybe the people out there need some bucks. So to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks and potentially 100 DK bucks, I'll save that one for a second. But 20 DK bucks, here's what you do. Smash the like button for this episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. You tell me for the Thursday night showdown contest on DraftKings who your captain's pick is going to be for the week one opener. There's way number two to do so. Subscribe, rate, and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Five stars, DraftKings handle, something nice about the show. And I talked about the $100 giveaway, Instagram-related, on Wednesday's show with Feinberg and Cuss. So just go to the beginning of that. Click on that show. It's like two hours long. You need to kill two hours. That's your best best value on the market. It's completely free, so that works out well. But it's an easy listen to. We just yell at Tim the entire time. So those are the three ways you can get in the draws. The two $20 giveaways and the $100 Instagram giveaway. And I'm asking you to do like 10 seconds of work on that one. But hey, just follow me on Instagram. You'll figure it out at the PME, all right? So those are the giveaways. Uh, and we're live on Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. on the YouTube channel. It'll be posted on iTunes after the fact as well. If you don't wake up that early because you're like super fucking hungover or whatever, then just download it on iTunes. The first hour will be on there. Uh, the last half hour will just be taking your lineup, start sit questions, and maybe you can even call in and yell at Tim because that's a lot of fun to do. So let's talk about this, Drewby, as it pertains to the showdown contest. What do I need to know if I don't know anything about showdown going into it? How should I be structuring my lineup? Do I pick six guys from one team? Do I always have a quarterback in the captain slot? What do I do? Yeah, so I think the the key thing with showdown is definitely around the group building. I think that's the most important thing. Correlation on DraftKings in general is very important. It becomes even more important as slates get smaller. So if you're playing those 4 p.m. only slates, you want more correlation than you might on the main slate. And then showdown is basically a game of correlation as much as it is anything else. So I think that's what you're looking for first and foremost is, is lineups that make sense. If a game goes a certain way, a certain game script, what is that going to mean for the rest of your roster? And that comes down to groups. It also comes down to the captain selection. And as you build groups for your captain, what does that mean for the rest of the roster? So this, this opening slate, you're going to use Devontae Adams as your captain. What does that mean? It means he's probably having a touchdown, 100 plus yards, maybe two scores. That means Aaron Rodgers is having a good game as well. So I think that's kind of the, the main thing is first starting understanding the group building process and then going into the captain specific selection from there. Those are kind of the, the key strategy levers, I think, in, in my things. And then you can get into some more custom stuff with game scripts. And But I think just as a starting point, focus on groups, focus on captain groups, and then focus on your captain selection and go from there. So do you find like if you had the choice between entering 150 lineups into a showdown contest or in like the millionaire maker, would you prefer to do it in the showdown contest just because there's a limited number of lineups that you can actually have? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely would. First of all, just my ROI is so much higher in showdown compared to the millionaire maker. <laughs> and it's a single game slate. When you actually start to think about the correlation of lineups, you can definitely cover a lot more combinations you're almost never going to brick 150 lineups in a showdown contest. And I can definitely brick 150 lineups in a millionaire maker on a weekly basis. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't play 150, but just say hey, every enter, every lineup I enter in the millionaire maker, I completely brick. So I'm used to that sort of thinking as it pertains to these groupings that you're talking about. Can you explain that a little bit, which players would correlate with other players? And maybe it's not obvious for everyone, but the tools on daily Roto really allow you to do this quickly too, which is the part that I really enjoy. So I'm going to take a few stabs at this one, I think. Yeah, definitely. So we broke this all down in the strategy article that you mentioned, along with very specific advice on how to build some of those groups. If we're talking specifically about this opening slate, then the biggest groups that you want to focus on are, are the groups related to wide receivers or tight ends that are at your captain. 
and pairing them up with the quarterback. If you run just a vanilla optimizer, whether it's the Daily Roto one, Roto Grinders, any other website, you're going to get a lot of lineups that don't make sense that might have Adams with no Rodgers or might have Rodgers at captain without any of his wide receivers. And, and those lineups are dead off the bat. So to avoid the dead lineups in the optimizer can easily create groups that say whenever you're using this specific player at captain, make sure to pair him up with these other players. And so the first thing I did when I opened up the slate to build lineups for the Packers-Bears game was to try to create groups for the wide receivers. So Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, Marcus Vela-Scantling wanted to create groups for each of those guys to pair them up with Rodgers. So would you think about using like Adams is 18,900 if you use him as your captain? Is that too expensive like if you like not everyone's gonna play 150 lineups obviously if you're playing one or five or something like that would you recommend avoiding the highest price player on the slate to be your captain unless it was a quarterback um so i would think i'd actually maybe do the opposite and if i was only going to build a handful of lineups i might avoid the quarterbacks as my captain they typically get the most ownership and they're actually found less frequently on the winning lineups than wide receivers and running backs are so i would probably avoid in a single lineup maybe avoid the quarterback and, and focus in on a, a wide receiver. I think you can go expensive because you want the captain because of the 1.5 X multiplier on DraftKings. You want the captain to have a really high ceiling and, and nobody on the Packers has a higher ceiling than Devonte Adams. So um, he'll be very popular. Uh, Rogers will be very popular, but I think that Adams would be a better captain choice than Rogers, just given a, a single choice between those two guys. So how do you differentiate between because kickers and defenses are obviously both available. If we just start like trying to, maybe it's best to work backwards from this. What are things that we shouldn't do? Should we use kickers and defenses? Um, so in this specific slate, I would say we can still use kickers. They have a decent floor, but I probably, they don't have a very high ceiling. You know, at best they're going to put up maybe 12 fantasy points, probably closer to, to seven or nine. So maybe at most one kicker in each of the lineups, maybe at most one defense in each of the lineups. I typically shy away from defense in general, especially in a game with this 47-point um, total. But in some of those other slates later in the year, the defenses might be a little bit more viable, right? You get the, the Jets at the Bills and you know the snow, then maybe you're playing defenses there. But this opening slate, probably a little bit lower on the defenses, maybe a little bit of Bears, but probably not much Packers. Would you consider like the overall game total as the deciding factor of whether or not to use a kicker in a defense? I think I think generally that would be a threshold. Now you can in the daily road optimizer run different game scripts. So the projections are fully customizable and we should actually talk about the second half showdown stuff later because I think there's a lot of potential edge there. But um, you could create custom simulations in the Daily Roto to reflect the lower game total. Maybe you actually don't think that the Packers offense is going to be that good to start the year. You think the Bears defense is still elite. You think instead of 21 points, the Packers are going to score 14. And you could run, you know, if you were building 150, maybe you run 15 lineups with that type of game approach. And you run the rest of them expecting more of a normal total. And um, that's something I know Drew Dinkmeyer likes to do pretty heavily when building his showdown lineups. How many lineups do you build that don't have both quarterbacks in them? That, that have zero of the two quarterbacks or that have yeah, like, that don't have both of them? If we were to break it down, how many use zero quarterbacks, how many use one quarterback, and how many use two quarterbacks? Man, so uh, I don't know exactly, but I would say a lot of my lineups use at least one quarterback because I am trying to get wide receivers and tight ends into the captain spot. Whenever I'm doing that, I'm typically playing their quarterback on that lineup. So I would say the you know there's probably like, 80 85 percent of my lineups if i had to guess have at least one of the quarterbacks but there are probably not too many that have two quarterbacks just because it's hard for a quarterback to have a huge game without the the wide receivers having a big game as well and if a quarterback throws one touchdown pass the wide receivers are probably outscoring him 
he throws two, you know, you're still probably going to get one wide receiver outscoring him. And so it's really not until you get to like the three to four touchdown level that you're starting to consider the quarterback at the captain position. How optimal is Siege's strategy of playing backup quarterbacks? Man, I guess if like <laughs> Al Smith has asked me about that too. I've never done it. Um, maybe if you got a guy coming in with a bum ankle and he's actually a legitimate candidate to get knocked out with like one hit, you would consider it. Um, but man, there, there aren't a million dollars to first too often. So maybe, maybe Siege has something up his sleeve for that one. Well, I would think that the only ones where you would ever really try to do it, like Taysom Hill is really the only one that really pops to mind of this guy could have value even if Drew Brees doesn't get hurt and he's always going to be priced down so much that maybe that's a viable option. I don't know. Yeah, and, and that then you're not even talking about it as in like it's about the quarterback, right? You're not talking about it as an injury to Brees when he comes in. You're you're hoping to vulture like a, a goal line carry. He's no different than a fullback at that point. So how do you fill out the bottom end of your roster before we actually like get into the nitty gritty of who we should take at the top end and actually spend our showdown money on? If we think about this Thursday night game, Trey Burton is dealing with an injury. He's probably going to be a game time decision, or maybe we'll find out Thursday afternoon that he's going to play or he's not going to play. I just looked down the list like Adam Sheehan is $600 in the showdown slate. Do you typically go to these like triple digit players to make sure you can jam in um, five guys at the very top end? Like obviously you play play a bears correlation with that uh with Sheehan just because he's at the very bottom but do you go and try to find those cost saving guys if they're viable yeah definitely and i think so i use the the shuffle feature heavily on the daily road optimizer when i'm playing the single game contest because there's a lot of randomness you know over the course of a season you're not going to project these guys to do very much but sometimes in a single game slate it doesn't take very much it's two catches for 20 yards and all of a sudden they're on the optimal lineup if the rest of the the high price players produce and so the other benefit of these cheap players is they're often the guys who who are going to go very under owned so i i think that the bears tight end situation a little unique because if burden's ruled out then i think some ownership will flood there but if you think about other cheap players on the slate like People aren't comfortable rostering Cordell Patterson, for example. They're not going to be comfortable rostering Jake Kumaro, for example. But there, there is a chance that those guys play snaps. There is a chance that they score a touchdown. And, and so if they're $400, they score a touchdown, and they're 4% owned, like that is the type of stuff that does end up vaulting rosters to the top. I would never really advocate doing it with a single entry. But I think when you start to hit you know, 20-plus lineups, you do want to start considering some of these puntish guys. So obviously correlation between quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends, that's very well known. People can really understand that. Are there subtle correlations that you can do in a showdown slate? Like if you were to play the Bears defense, would you then also play Cordero Patterson in some of those lineups, knowing that if he returns a kick for a touchdown, you get double points? Or like Cohen returns punts for the Bears. Like would you have a few Cohen lineups if you were to play him correlated with the Bears defense in that way? Yeah, I haven't done too much with the the double dip stuff there. Uh, I think there probably is a little bit more merit to that than I've used in my personal play. I think when I think about the defenses, I usually am thinking about it, what it means for the opposing team. And it usually means that the opposing team has had turnovers. So probably unlikely to get like the Bears defense in the same lineup as Aaron Rodgers. So maybe that would be a, a type of correlation I would avoid is playing the Bears D with Aaron Rodgers. But in that type of game, like it's also probably low scoring. So the Packers haven't scored many points. Probably means like the, the Packers running game isn't going to be there either. They're going to be behind throwing the ball. So Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like those types of players to me would make more sense in a Bears D lineup than, than it would with like Aaron Jones or Aaron Rodgers. 
how much can we leverage the spread of a game or the at least consensus or not consensus but the overwhelmingly uh, popular narrative towards a game and a lot of that is dictated by the Vegas line so the Bears are favored by three points at home against the Packers that does that lean ownership towards one side or another be like oh because the the Bears are going to be up in this game they'll be running more aka the Packers will be passing more therefore the running game for the Bears is going to be higher around and the passing game for the Packers will be highly owned or because no one really has a very sound strategy outside of a few people as it pertains to showdown that they just pick the guys that they know that are typically just good at fantasy. Yeah, I think it's closer to the latter where we would expect, you know, this this game's a close one. If it was a blowout, like 14 point spread, that might dictate things. But this one's a close one. People are going to play Rodgers. They're going to play Adams. They're going to play Jones from the Packers. And then on the Bears side, I think even though they're the favorite, there's actually more question marks just because nobody is 100% sure what's going to happen with David Montgomery, how that's going to impact Tariq Cohen. And then from the passing perspective, I think there's been a lot of games where even Trubisky's ceilings games have been spread out to a bunch of players, whether it was Allen Robinson or Taylor Gabriel, you have Patterson in that mix. And so I actually think that um, even though the Bears are favored in this game, that the ownership will still go pretty heavily to the Packers just because the distribution of the offense on Chicago is a little more diverse. There's some more questions there. And I don't have the answers to those questions, but I'm happy to take a gamble to try to capitalize on some of that risk in the event that I get some of them right. Is there any sort of ownership level that a player could get to in a showdown contest where you would just flat out avoid him? Or would you play enough volume in terms of lineups that maybe you match the market on that player or take an underweight position, but you're not saying, hey, fade this guy? Yeah, that's, that's tough. Usually when someone gets that high, it's because they're like, they have the highest floor and the highest ceiling, like a Devontae Adams type. And I definitely don't want to fade him as far as all of my lineups, just because that, that could be the recipe for getting that $0 return that I'm trying to avoid. Um, I have been thinking a lot about the captain position. And that's one of the things I've been thinking about changing with my approach this year. And I have been thinking about whether or not there's situations where people get too heavily owned at the captain position. So if like Rogers was going to be 20% owned at captain and I could just fade him at the captain spot, but still play him elsewhere. Like that's something that's crossed my mind. I probably won't make a decision until like 7:45 on Thursday when I actually submit my final lineups. But I do feel like quarterbacks get a little bit over owned at captain and there potentially could be some edge or some leverage to be had there. Let's discuss the captain slot as it pertains to this slate. And we'll talk about this from either someone playing one, two, or three lineups. The normal person who's not max entering the 150. I know it's difficult for you to do because you've had so much success doing the 150, and that's what you do. But I'm talking about someone like me. And that, you know, I just want to throw in a lineup. I hope it wins, but I want to put my best foot forward and not just lose all my money like I did last year. So if I'm thinking about this, if I'm only going to play a limited number of lineups, do you think that avoiding Aaron Rodgers and Mitch Trubisky as your captain is probably the way to go in this spot? Yeah, I think that would be the right way to go in in like a three max lineup build. Um, I think I would prefer to start with some of the wide receivers at the captain position. Potentially Devontae Adams would be the safest captain. That's probably chalky, but he kind of provides the the min cash for you there. And then maybe you can find other ways to differentiate. And then you could probably get some contrarian captains on the Bears side of things, whether that was Alan Robinson, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, or, or even if you wanted to go with Shaheen, who I know is going to be a question mark as far as his playing time, but the cheap salary f- just frees up so much to do whatever you, you want with the rest of your roster. He does. So he would end up coming in at $600 if he ended up being your captain in this situation. But because you get the multiplier for points, 
is his expectation like what would he actually have to do to like let's say Adams goes off and Shaheen has a good game he has like four catches for 44 yards and a touchdown which would be just tremendous at that sort of savings do you give up too much because of the multiplier in your captain spot by having him there instead of the guy whose upside is eight catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns yeah so uh if Adams were to go off like go bananas he's gonna have to be your captain and you'd want him there I think where the the punt captain starts to make sense is actually if all of the high price players do well, but they nobody does supremely better than the other. So if they were all to put up roughly 20 DraftKings points and Adams was to get that, Rodgers was, Trubisky, maybe Allen Robinson, and there's not any kind of wiggle room with the salary there and you want them all in the same lineup and you have that tight end performance with four for 40 and a touchdown, I think then that becomes optimal. If one guy smashes, like you're going to need that guy at captain and you'll want the other, the value players elsewhere. So if you had to take your choice and you had to pick sort of one team to build around and the correlation to go along with it, would it be the Packers side or the Bears side? So um, if I was with one lineup, I think the safest thing to do would be to build through the Packers side because it's more predictable. I think you still have a good chance at winning a top end prize with them and you can find other places to differentiate. Um, so with just one lineup, I would probably start with like Devonte Adams as the captain, probably the safest captain on the board. As you get to like three or more lineups or as you're okay, like winning $0 at the, the chance for like a million, I do think that the Bears side is going to have all of the contrarian captains that maybe they're 1% owned at the captain spot. So if you do hit that random spike week, then that could be, you know, the, the big differentiator. It would lead me to believe that if you did like the Packers side of the ball, that Aaron Jones is likely not to be a high-end captain, probably for good reason. Like running against the Bears doesn't really work out all that well. But hey, he could have three touchdowns from the one-yard line. You never really know how this stuff is going to turn out. But I would think that if you wanted to attack the passing game from the Packers, and I'm with you, if, you, if you're not willing to lose every cent you put in, you probably have relatively zero chance of actually winning the million-dollar top prize. You have to be able to take that risk. That that would probably take Adams and Rodgers, for me, if I was playing a lineup or two, out of the captain possibility from the Packers' side, and that would just lead me directly towards either Allison or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Do I have that logic right? Yeah, I think that logic makes sense. And we actually did see a showdown primetime slate between these teams last year. And the uh, Randall Cobb was the winning captain with four other Packers on that team. I believe Adams was on that team. Rogers was on that team. Aaron uh, Jones was also on that team. And then two players from the Bears side. So um, it kind of happened like you, like you suggested, where uh, a lot of the defensive focus went to Adams. He had a good game, but not a spectacular one. Cobb had the surprising upside game and and you could get that same performance whether it's out of MVS or Allison and I do think those players will be substantially lower at the captain position than Adams yeah so is there a like a stark difference between when we think about ownership and how ownership works between ownership as a captain and ownership overall I think so I think um I've kind of got to the point where I feel like I need to consider ownership at the captain position a lot on a week to week basis. And I don't really think about ownership overall very much just because the guys who get owned are generally the best plays. And there's, I mean, you got to play six players. There's only so many players from this game that have a realistic shot at like 10 plus points. So just trying to like, fade like random guys at the flex position doesn't make a ton of sense for me so on the bears side of the ball i don't even know how to go about building this like it could really like and you mentioned like they're all going to be contrarian plays because no one has a good grasp about how this offense is going to work outside of mitch trubisky i'm pretty sure he's going to start i'm pretty sure he's going to play quarterback which means he's going to touch the ball a lot 
That I know. And he runs, too, which is really nice. But even in the backfield, like, it, it would strike me as no one's going to play Tariq Cohen. People will play David Montgomery, but not to the same point where if he was just the lead guy. Yeah, and, and there's all those questions will for sure depress the ownership a little bit on the Bears, even though they're favorites um, in this game. I think the expectation, I guess, would be that Montgomery is going to be the primary kind of ball carrier and Cohen's still going to be involved in the pass game. So maybe you think about if you're hand-building lineups, maybe you think about using Cohen on some of those teams that are heavier Packers that are assuming the Packers are going to win the game, put up the most fantasy points, and therefore the Bears are going to have to throw. Cohen might be more involved there. I'm not 100% sure how Montgomery will or won't be used in the passing game. So between the Bears RBs, I guess that's sort of how I would try to think about it if hand building is, you know, Montgomery is maybe the RB to target on like four man Bears teams. And um, Cohen maybe is the guy to target if you're only playing like a, a couple Bears. Yeah, so that would work in the inverse, too. Like, if you had an onslaught from the Bears, like, maybe bringing back Aaron Jones wouldn't be the craziest idea. Yeah, yeah, I think that. Um, and the other thing is, I would say, most people build around similar sets of projections, expecting this game to be roughly in line with the Vegas totals. But we do see weird things happen, and we do see weeks where five-man onslaughts win, um, and they're against a single player from the other team almost everybody is building lineups with either three guys from both teams or four guys from one team and two from the other. So um, again, for people who are trying to build really differentiated lineups for people who are trying to take a shot at, you know, go big or go home. I think trying to consider some of those five man onslaughts, trying to consider a scenario where the bears actually blow out the Packers and the Packers don't generate any offense. I think those things are pretty interesting. Uh, and then especially when you get into games that are like 10 point totals, people still build that same way and you can kind of find some unique build types. Yeah, and we're talking about like giant scale tournaments here where you have to really box out you know, 100,000 people in order to win or potentially even more. I would think that the cash games are different, but we know on the Pat Mayo experience, we don't really talk about cash games because who wants to win double your money? I mean, who needs that? We want to win a million bucks here, Drewby. So if we talk about receivers, is there a prototype of receiver that you would want to target? Like I always think about Tyreek Hill, whatever the Chiefs are in this circumstance, that he's so fast and his ability for long touchdowns really makes him an ideal sort of captain. He might completely flame out and bust, but if he does get one of those long ones, he has the potential to score three of them in a game. I would think that like in the Monday night showdown contest, even someone like Ted Ginn would be worth a shot. Will Fuller would be those types of guys. I look at this roster for the, at least on the Bears side of the ball, and Taylor Gabriel is that guy for me. Although I would think that someone like, I mean, obviously Allen Robinson's probably their primary. Gabriel strikes me as someone who's a big play guy. Cordero Patterson could end up being a play big play guy, but Anthony Miller is probably more likely to score a touchdown than them. So how do I navigate that? Yeah, that's tough. I usually try to let the projections kind of guide me there. I think you are right. Um, some of the, like the biggest one that I had, which I think was like 175 K was the big Traquan Smith coming out party game when the saints were playing the Redskins and it was Mark Ingram's first game back. And so there was kind of um, Cam Meredith was playing for the saints as well. And I actually had both of those guys on the same team with breeze and Ingram. And, and that was a really unique way to build. I do think that Two interesting ways to build through the wide receiver position. Taylor Gabriel is definitely one of those. So I think that um, Bears stacks and include Gabriel and Miller, but not Allen Robinson would be pretty unique builds that people aren't going to focus on. And on, on the same token, like the Packers, Devonta Adams, I think is one of the strongest and safest captain plays, but there are going to be scenarios where you can get lineups with Rogers and Dallas Scantling and Allison and, and no Adams. And I think those are the types of lineups that'll be very low owned that, if they do happen to hit, even though it's pretty unlikely, that can kind of separate. So I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. You are looking for some of the big plays. 
You also want to make sure you're not playing guys in the same lineup that might be competing for playing time. So like Gabriel and Cordell Patterson, maybe they are competing for playing time this year at the wide receiver position as some of those gadget plays. Maybe, maybe you want both of them in a couple lineups, but you definitely don't want them both in the same lineup. Yeah, so I, I think that does make some sense. So essentially, the key to showdown is just being really good at math. Uh, it's just like group building. I'm not even good at math. I just kind of lean on the daily rotor projections and try to create groups to make sure that guys aren't playing on the same lineup that they're competing against each other for. Um, I'd say the one one area I kind of got in trouble last year, including the Super Bowl slate that I did with you, was I I'd typically avoided playing two running backs from the same team. And so like James White and Sonny Michelle, I kind of avoided that. And historically, I would avoid playing David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen in the same team. But I uh, definitely started to see some of those lineups hit a little bit more often and including some of the lineups that did so well in that Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl was a great example of games. Could, they're not always going to go what the way we expect. They're not always going to be high scoring. And when they are very low scoring, weird stuff happens, weird stuff wins. When that weird stuff wins, you're the only person with it. And so I think a, a guy won a solo million. If not, it was split one way for the Super Bowl. And he had a lineup with James White, Sonny Michelle, Julian Edelman, but no Tom Brady. And, and that's just not the way I would normally build, but it definitely came through. So I am reconsidering whether or not we can use Dave Montgomery and Tree Cohen in the same lineup for this slate, especially since it's such a big field with so much money up top. Yeah, I would assume that very few people will have a build with Montgomery and both Cohen in it. But I think that you hit on a really key thing is that when we talk about fading ownership or having some of these unique builds, and you've even talked about like splitting at the top, you might in the moment and people might say, oh, you split the million dollars in the top 17 prizes 17 ways. I think anyone would kind of take that. To be, perfect, nice. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, and you're still walking away with like 90K or something or whatever the split ends up being, that's fine. But the way that we're talking about it and like sort of the language that we're using and the different roster constructions that we're putting out are that if you're, everything is a low probability to win. If people don't understand that going into it, then, you know, give your head a shake. You, you need to figure that part out. But if you can build one of these lineups that do make sense from the way that Drewby's perspective talked about it, that if you can tell yourself a game script and it actually works like if you think the final score is going to be 20 to 17 for the bears well how do the bears get to 20 how do the packers get to 17 you can construct a roster around that that does logically make sense it accounts for all the points and it's done in a different way if that's the actual outcome of what happens you're just competing with far fewer people than you would be if you had the most popular lineup out there that's the way that i would try to describe it if that wasn't too convoluted yeah, definitely. And I, I actually, I know it's going to sound super degenerate, but I think that the second half slates that are coming up are going to have a lot of edge for people who are willing to put in the work. I know the opening one on DraftKings, there's 20K to first for the second half contest. And um, people just aren't going to be willing to go and adjust projections. That's something at Daily Roto we can easily do in our custom projections. We can knock down the play count to reflect that it's half a game. We can plug in the team totals for the second half to easily have that flow through to the projections. And you'll have some more information then about what's happening with these teams, about how they're using Montgomery, how they're using Cohen, what the score of the game is and what that's going to mean for the second half. And so I actually think there's a lot of potential edge to people who are willing to do work for these second half contests. So again, if you want to get access to those daily roto projections to take on the second half showdown contest, the PME. 10% off. I mean, listen to all this. It's all the value you get here. And then you get 10% off. You're doing well with this. But do you have any specific just overarching strategy towards the second half besides, hey, the Packers are down by 30. You probably want to take their passing game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think flowing through those custom projections is going to 
be key. I think then trying to tweak like the run pass ratio for teams that might be behind um, in the second half, you know, obviously you're going to know who got the first half kickoff. So whoever gets the second half kickoff, like they'll probably get an extra, you know, four to six plays just by the nature of that. So I'm going to try to plug some of that stuff into our custom projections. And then I guess the other thing I'm hoping could potentially be an edge is I think people are just going to build the lineups as if it was the full game. So, um, you know, I think they're still going to play quarterbacks a lot, but you're not going to get those bonuses for 300 yards unless unless it's Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he can throw 300 yards in the second half, but not too many quarterbacks can. And so I think that kind of dictates maybe a little bit more about which of the positions are more optimal to roster um, on DraftKings given the PPR format. Well, Patrick Mahomes could probably throw 300 yards in one quarter with his left hand throwing behind his back. So I guess he's sort of an outlier into this type of situation. But I find that very intriguing. So the Plus, old- everyone's going to be drunk, let's be honest. Yeah. So like, as long as you're less drunk than everyone else building lineups, you're in a good pot. Well, who do you think ends up entering these contests? Because that would be the part that I would try to gauge it. Do you think it's going to be your very casual user who's having a terrible first half and oh, they're yeah. just trying to chase their money down? Or do you think it's going to be super sharp people like yourself, people who are using optimizers and projections and mass entering these sorts of things that the competition level will actually be higher for the second half stuff? No, I mean, I think it's going to be people chasing. Um, you're going to get you know the most casual money I think possible into the second half contest. I think the showdown for like the main game showdown contests are big enough now that kind of everyone pays attention to them. But I bet if you were going to look at the DraftKings data, I bet more lineups are created on mobile for these second half showdown contests than, than any other format. So if I can uh, produce lineups with an optimizer, compete against some guy drinking a six pack on his couch with a mobile phone, like that, that's something I feel like I need to carve out time for, even though it's, it's a pain in the ass. I can t- I can assure you that you know I've spent many a time just before a game has started going outside for a cigarette after a few drinks on my phone, be like, I'll enter another showdown contest. This is great. You know, it doesn't win those lineups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think I'm alone in that one too. So, uh, is there anything else about showdown in this specific game in particular that we should know, or have do you think we've covered everything? No, I mean, I think we've covered it all. Definitely focus a lot on the roster construction and groups and create logical lineups that'll put you in a a really good place um, to have some safety to your lineups and some upside. And it'll be interesting to see how the game evolves. I'm obviously curious to see if what worked for me last year works this year. Um, hopefully you guys are kind of coming up with your own unique ways to build things that aren't just using my approach. Well, I mean, now that you've basically outlined your strategy to the public and especially the, well, not necessarily the public, but the subscribers to daily Roto, you're going to be competing with yourself here a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a little different this year. So trying to find some new angles with maybe that captain ownership, maybe we can get some leverage there. Well, I'm really intrigued to see how this goes. I'm going to pay more attention to Showdown this year. Or then after like two weeks, I'll be like, I'm awful at this. I'm going to stop doing this and do my favorite thing for the first Thursday night game and just bet random person to score first touchdown at hilariously long odds. Nothing wrong with that either. It's it's all entertainment for us here, so that's a good time. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. If you had to, if Burton sits out, I don't because the odds aren't out yet, at least where I'm looking for first touchdown in this game. I would think that uh, Sheehan would be like, 40 to one 50 to one for first touchdown. I can see that happening. Yeah. Especially if he's like a game time decision, they release when he might not be sitting out. I do think that he'll have really long odds and yeah, it's true. Odds are probably, I don't know, like closer to 15 to one or something like that. seems pretty good. Yeah. I remember the, the biggest one I hit last year, I think was Demarcus Robinson on the Thursday night game. The chiefs one did just, he was like 40 to one. Just give you for 20 bucks on that. It's a nice sweat for like the first 10 minutes. Although with the chief, it's like the first 30 seconds. Yeah. I want to say I saw a stat that like a vast majority of, not that he's had very many catches or targets in his career, but I think a vast majority 
of his catching the targets have been within inside the red zone. Definitely a big guy with a long reach. It might even be that he had like four red zone targets for three touchdowns last year. But if I botch the stat, I botch the stat. You guys can kind of look it up. But I like the I like the angle you're going with there. Big guy in the red zone, long shot odds. You know, give yourself a nice sweat in the first quarter. Yeah, I always consider these things like if people know my philosophy on first round leader bets in golf is that I just like to pepper the board with 100 to one and beyond shots just because anyone can really be leading after one round of a golf tournament. Like it's not always just the favorites. Sometimes it's like Rory McIlroy's at the top, but other times Johnny Vegas or Andrew Banlahiri has a hot round. He goes out and ends up as first round leader and you can cash in. It's almost the similar philosophy that I have to these football games is that you're of course not going to win every time but you really maximize your hit if you do bet the guys that are 25 to 1 and beyond are yeah. you are you more of a guy to take the long shot approach to it with a lesser bet or the high end approach to it like hey zeke's gonna score the first touchdown at plus 300 and just pepper it i mean i, I think long shot with the the smaller bet and i think that applies a lot to the way that i play showdown too is i do think those anything can happen in a single game or a single half of football and so a lot of these things that people don't expect to happen, guys, people don't even expect to get on the field. It can still break a long play. And so rather than having all the most popular players, you know, I'll probably spread out my exposure and try to get some exposure to a lot of these things that aren't going to happen often. And hopefully they happen once this year and hopefully we can win at least one more big one. Yeah, I think that's the thing that Al always talked about whenever he would come on is that like you're not necessarily playing for this week. You're going underneath. I mean, obviously you are, but you're working under the impression that you can hit one of these big ones like once every three years. If you're a high volume player like yourself and maybe you'll get lucky and hit two of them and then your next like 10 years are paid off. Yeah, and that's definitely hard and it, it's hard to stay disciplined. And if I start off losing the first handful or the first month of showdown contests, it's going to be easy for me to feel like the edge is gone when that's probably what it should happen. Like I probably am due for a long extended downswing there and um, it'll be tough to work through. But I, I think that's kind of what you're trying to do with some of the top heavy pools is, is be consistent with um, contrarian approaches that hopefully they pay off once. Yeah, and we see this a lot, and there's so many showdown slates, but you even mentioned it when we were doing the golf show, is that the sample for golf is so small is that you really have no idea whether your strategy is working or not working because you've lost, you know, you, you lose three consecutive weeks. I mean, that, that's three slates. Like, that, that's not a huge sample to actually draw from to draw any conclusions. At least with these showdown slates, you can start to piece them together because there are so many individual showdown every single week that you can play in football. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the things DraftKings expanded them even more this year. I know we've got the primetime showdown slates. There's four the opening week, but then we're also going to get show, big showdown slate for the Cowboys game at 4 p.m. There's a big showdown slate in the 1 p.m. game. So I think there's going to be like six or eight pretty big showdown contests with, you know, five figure first place prizes. So if you guys are going to play showdown heavily this year, it's definitely an area I recommend that I want to spend a lot of time in that I've made some good money. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out the strategy guide if you're going to plan on spending a lot of time and money in showdown contests and you can access that at dailyrodo.com along with all the tools the optimizer and coverage across all sports as well it's not just nfl football there's college football up there now obviously there's golf there's baseball there's basketball and you get the alert sent to your phone for late breaking news as well i highly recommend i can't say this enough the daily roto product so the pme 10 percent off it'll get you Tell them Pat Mayo sent you. Actually, don't. That probably makes you look bad because you're like, oh, you listen to the Pat Mayo experience? Good God. We don't need this guy associated with our brand. But either way, it will get you 10% off. Uh, I'll release my first TD bets on Twitter. 
whenever those are released. So you can either tail those or just like laugh at them. Do whatever you want with them. It's, it's public information. You make the decision. I just know that I'll probably be losing money on those guys. Drewby, where can everyone follow you and what's coming up next for you? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Drewby417. Um, obviously, follow all of our work at Daily Roto. You'll have a bunch of stuff from me. And it's not just Showdown. We got the main slate coming up on Sunday as well. Drew and Mike do an incredible job with our projections, some of the most accurate in DFS. So I'm really excited about Showdown, but we got a bunch of good stuff for main slate contests as well. It should be a really fun year. And make sure to hop into the Slack channel and sweat some games with us. Of course. I mean, do you, would you pay $5 a month just to sweat games with Andrew Kest? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just fly on the wall with the Andercust. Any of the behind the scenes Andercust footage. Yeah. So we just I'll tell Tim like he has to put himself like instead of our group text thread, he's just on Slack and you can sweat Notre Dame and Jets games with him throughout the course of the year. <laughs> I feel like people would pay for that. I'd pay for that. Yeah, yeah. We need the behind the scenes Andercust footage too. Uh, if you want to check out more Drew and Mike, they were on the DraftKings Breakdown Show, which is up on my feed right now. Still very relevant. We're going to update the DraftKings picks on Friday, myself and Chris Meany, once we get the injury report. And again, we'll be live 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Sunday morning on the DraftKings YouTube channel, my Facebook page, slash Facebook slash The PME. It'll be up there, too. And it'll be on demand after the fact for the final two hours leading up to game time. Like I said, if you want to go to the gym, kill some time, get some updated info, Boom, it'll all be up there for you on the iTunes feed and wherever you can download podcasts. Also, Drew, Mike, and I did a complete strategy session for the overall main slate and how to construct rosters on DraftKings. That, too, is up on the YouTube page, the Facebook page, all the audios. I recommend you highly go check that out. Every year I learn something different, and it makes me a better player every single time. And it will for you, too. I can't guarantee that you're going to win, but I guarantee you your process will be a whole lot better, and you'll avoid all those stupid mistakes you don't even know that you're making. So go check that out. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. Getting them draws and go win a million, million bucks or something. Like, give me 10 bucks. Cover my losses. All right? I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.